0: as he comes to share.
1: Good morning. It's good to see all your smiling faces this morning. We're always happy to be here. want to invite you out tonight. and uh, uh, We've been uh, digging into what the feasts have to say, not only just what they said in the Old Testament, but how Jesus, the disciples, alluded to those things and actually kind of assumed you knew them. And, uh, and so what we're doing is we're trying to uh, decipher some of that the sayings of the New Testament through the lens of those biblical festivals. And so uh, we want to encourage you to come out tonight. I always tell people we talked about some spring festivals like Passover and First Fruits, and we're going to deal with some other ones this morning. And Jesus fulfilled those. He came and kept those appointments because those were things to remember, but they were looking forward to greater appointments to come. And uh, he did that. He came on those appointments and he fulfilled those feasts, but there's still a few that haven't been fulfilled. And that's what we're going to be. Be talking about. I'm just gonna switch this one. Okay. Perfect. Alright. All right. All right. Uh, that's what we're gonna be talking about tonight is the ones that he didn't fulfill and how they're actually looking forward to his return. And so what I like to always tell people is tonight we're gonna to tell you the day, the time, and the hour in which Jesus is gonna return. So You'll be busting down the doors at 6 o'clock tonight, right? And uh, coming out. No, what we're really going to do is we're just going to show how Jesus alluded to the times that he was going to return, what those times were going to look like. And actually, the feasts give us a timeline uh, of what to look for. And he actually spoke on these things quite a bit and gave us some clues. And so we're going to search through the scriptures, uh, look at some things uh, of those fall feasts, and see how when he comes back, he'll fulfill those. It's going to be a really exciting time. So if you'd come out at 6, that'd be great. There's no important football games or anything going on anyway. uh, So 6 o'clock tonight, all the other ones will be done. The Grizzlies, the Montana Grizzlies will have won by that time. And so we're, yeah. Hey, I have to go for the Grizzlies. I'm from Montana. Not only that, you know, we we're only a few minutes away from uh, the campus, so I knew that that would help wake you this morning. Hey, uh, most of you already know us. We were with you last year. Again, thankful to be back. But I always like to take a chance to show my family because we. They're very supportive. My two daughters uh, and their husbands are there, and then, of course, us. uh, We're excited uh, to be hanging out with them. They all live in Minneapolis, and so this is actually a recent picture. Uh, We're very thankful for our support of our family, and me and my wife are celebrating 35 years this uh, summer. We did it. Woo! 35 years. And then not only that, uh, my oldest daughter, which is Lindsay that's in the front, uh, we just found out, not just, but uh, we're going to be grand parents this spring. And uh, yeah, so we're all really starting to feel old. So, uh, But we're very excited about being grandparents for the first time and uh, always excited to be around our family as they're up in Minneapolis and we spend some time up there. So also our ministry, uh, as you know, there's just some information on our ministry is Dust of Emmaus and there's some information there as well as cards out on the table. We just always encourage you to take a card. There's a QR code that you can sign up for our newsletter. Uh, but the big thing for a card for us is that, you simply pray for us, that God would open more doors, pray for us while we're out on the road, uh, and uh, that God would just use us to spread uh, his word and an excitement for his word. And so if you would remember to take a card and set that somewhere where you'll see it on the mirror in the morning or on the table with all your bills, wherever it's at uh, in your Bible, just please take one and please be praying for us that God would open more doors. And uh, as you know, when we are here with you last time, a uh, part of our ministry has taken people to Israel. And uh, as you know, some of that has changed dramatically. We're working with Pastor Tom for uh, uh, a trip in the future with all of you, with your church and partnering with another church and we had all those details just about done but uh, those things have kind of come to a halt right now and our prayer is is, as much time as we're over there we have friends we have uh, partnerships over there and we hope that you'll continue to pray it's easy when things aren't on the home front right in front of you to forget early on in October you know you probably were thinking about it praying about it Um, but would you continue to pray for our friends and uh, uh, the people of God there, and uh, the land of israel and <clears throat> the big thing is is that you would remember that this is not don 't let the news lie to you. this is not a fight against the Palestinians, ladies and gentlemen the, the This is not a fight against them, and this isn 't against the Palestinians. this is a war against terrorism. Remember that it 's not a war on the Palestinian and Israeli conflict is something that has been forever and will continue, but this is not about that. These are terrorists, and uh, they're trying to root out those terrorists. Do we agree with war? No, war is a very difficult thing, but they're trying to deal with that. Here's where you can really pray. Pray that this would be accomplished quickly. They'd root out the problems of terrorism quickly, less casualties, and the world would stop the ridiculous anti-Semitic fervor that's out there. That old devil has raised its head again, and we need to stand with them against anti-Semitism. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the real war, if you didn't know that. That's the things that we thought were gone long time ago, and uh, we're seeing it all rise up again. So Israel is up against a clock. It's not so much the war, it's the clock that the world thinks when they should be done and when they should be finished. And uh, those opinions have got very anti-Semitic. And so will you remember the land of Israel in your prayers? Don't forget, it's easy to kind of see things and kind of forget about them, but they need your prayers, uh, the, the, everybody needs your prayers, the whole land as a whole. And part of what we're doing, and we want to invite you and ask Pastor Tom about this, we've put together a tour. It's not really a tour, it's just a solidarity trip. It's a trip to help. We're actually going over next month Um, we're putting our hands and feet to our prayers for the land of Israel. We're actually going to go over and work in the fields. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but when war comes, everybody goes... You know they pull all the troops, uh, and so there's not as many workers, and so things are rotting out on out in the farms, in the vineyards, and so we're going to go over and pick some, uh, help the farmers. Uh, We're also going to pack up care packages. Uh, We're going over there to pray for the land of Israel, show our support. And so, if that's something you're interested in going with us next month, we know it's short notice. We know some of you say, well, it's war, but where we're going is very safe. As many of you may, may or may not know, in the central part of Israel, most things are as normal um, and operate as normal. And that's where we'll be spending most of our time. And if that's something you're interested in, you'd say, I just want to go with you. I want to help the nation Israel. I want to show our support. Will you come and talk to me? Send us an email. Uh, the time is short. It's in the middle of February. But it's a way to put your hands and feet and really say, hey, now's the time. We want to truly not just say that we're praying We want to stand with you. So it's going to be an exciting trip and you can join us. And uh, again, we'll see parts of the country, but most of all, we're spending some time just getting our hands dirty and saying, hey, we're here for you. And just by showing up in this time says a lot. Amen. So we want to encourage you to be a part of that. Let's get into the Word this morning. Uh, we'd love to invite you to turn to Acts chapter two this morning. Very famous story, a story that you know very very well. I'm going to try for the the team down here to stay within my bounds of where the camera picks up. So, uh, but I get a little excited about this, especially this passage, Acts chapter two. We're going to be in verses one through six. We're going to have it up on the screen as well. But as many of you know, this is the part of the Day of Pentecost the pouring out of God's spirit. We celebrate this as Pentecostals. We celebrate this as Assemblies of God. But today I want to take some time, as Jesus said some very crucial words right at the beginning of this. He says, I want you to hang around here because I, you're gonna, something special is going to happen. I want to make you a witness for me. So today I think I have up there, today I want to talk about the witness development program that God started on the day of Pentecost. Now what we want to do is look for clues that maybe we haven't Looked at because maybe we didn't understand the culture of the time. How many of you know understanding the culture of Jesus's day is going to help us pick up on certain words and uh, idioms and things that uh, may help us understand what's going on in a deeper sense. And so that's what we're going to look at today. What is going to help us become the witness that God has called us to, and how is He developing us so that when we leave this place today, we're truly sharing the kingdom of God with others? How many of you know that's part of the purpose? of who we are. And so Jesus says, if you'll hang around, there's something special going to happen. And, uh, and as we know, uh, the scripture is going to tell us what happened on that day. But what we're going to do in this story is try to pick up some clues of some things that had happened before. As you know, everything in the Old Testament is looking to Uh, Jesus. How many of you know everything in there in the Old Testament points to Jesus and is looking for him to come? And so we also believe that this is part of that, that this was something that was told before. And so let's stand together for a few minutes and uh, we're going to read the passage together uh, and and see what the Lord has to say about witness development program today. You will be my witness and you're going to stay. And if we would do this for me, would you do this for me today? Can we just read this aloud together? I'm not, I don't want to be just reading. I think it's important to read it out loud and have you saying it. And so we're going to read it from the screen this morning all together. Acts chapter 2 and read it nice and loud. And let's hear these words afresh as we wait to see what did Jesus want as he had his disciples stay. And what did this event that long ago, what does it speak to us today? And how can we become the witnesses that he's calling us to become? So let's start. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to go 1 through 6. Are you all ready? Here we go. When the day of Pentecost. We were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues, as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they had heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each had heard their own language spoken. So, Father, this is your word today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Pray, God, that we would hear what you're wanting to say to us today. You would use me to speak that truth, Lord God, in direct ways, ways that would glorify you. And Lord, we just want to hear today, Lord. God, you called us to be witnesses, but Lord, what does that mean today in this world, in this moment? Almost 2,000 years after this event. God, speak to us today in this moment, in this time, in the name and the power of Jesus. Amen. If your neighbors near or far, yell at them and say, that is the word of the Lord. You may be seated this morning. We want to take some time uh, to look at some clues in this passage. As I said before, and I've said it many times, The things of the Old Testament were all prophetic, whether it was the story of Adam or Cain and Abel or any other place, it always was looking to the fulfillment of who Jesus was and his coming. So there are some clues in this passage that we're supposed to look for that maybe triggers to remind us of previous stories, to help us better understand what happened. We can catch some of those right away. Look at what it says uh, in verse 1 of chapter 2. What does the Bible say? It says this, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come. So, right away, I have to ask myself, what day is that? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all gathered together. That's a clue for us this morning. What is the day of Pentecost? For many... I, 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 know whether we were over in Israel and visited this exact spot or spoke in many churches over the years, sometimes I have to remind Christians that the day of Pentecost didn't, wasn't the first time this had ever happened. I mean, not, this wasn't the first time that people gathered on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is not a Jesus thing. Okay? So that's kind of important. What is Pentecost? Well, Pentecost, the word That they used kind of throws this off because in English, it's actually the Feast of Weeks. In Hebrew, we would say the Feast of Shavuot, but it is a feast. It is actually a time that they are celebrating something. So many Christians believe that they came up with this name because of what happened. But Pentecost actually means 50, means 50 days. Uh, It's actually 50 days that they are counting something. So Jesus said, hey, stick around And when they were sticking around, all of a sudden they were in this one place, in this house, the Bible says, celebrating Pentecost. Well, what is Pentecost? It actually, we go all the way back to the Feast of Leviticus 23, it's called the Feast of Weeks of Shavuot, which they were getting together to celebrate the giving of the Torah of Exodus chapter 19. That's what the Feast of Weeks, Pentecost, was celebrating. So what were they celebrating? They were celebrating that they were set free on Passover. Remember, the lamb was killed and blood put upon the door, and then they, they they went from there, and they were set free from the Egyptians. They were set free from slavery. And then God, over the course of time, led them through the desert to this Mount Sinai. And it's there that God came down. And what did he do? He called Moses up on the mountain. And God began to share the law, the word, with his People and that is what God said in Leviticus 23. I don't want you to ever forget about. And so, what were these disciples doing all together in this house, which wasn't a little house somewhere off to the other side? It says that it, that the Spirit came and filled the house where they were all sitting. That's actually the temple area. They wouldn't be anywhere else. They're up in the temple. Why is it called a house then? Because that's the house of the Lord. Whenever you said the house, you were talking about the house of the Lord. Why would they be there? Because that's what you did. You were meant to be on the temple, in the temple arena for what? To celebrate the giving of the law. So why were they all there? Why were they gathered? Because they were celebrating a feast and that feast was representing something that had happened and they're celebrating today going, God, you came down. You showed us how to live. You gave us freedom in your word. But the Bible tells us that we weren't only supposed to remember something, but we also believed that God was going to keep that appointment because feasts actually means an appointment. It means God's going to meet with you. They believed that he was going to do something greater even still. So Pentecost wasn't something that just happened that day. It had been going on year after year after year, celebrating that God gave them the word. Now, there are some things that happened. If you know it, you can go back and do your homework. Exodus chapter 19, you can read about all that happened. Remember, God's fire comes down, and there's these winds and trumpets and lightnings and thunders and fire and sound. Wait a second. That sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound familiar? Why does it sound familiar? Because of Exodus chapter 19, the same thing is happening. Why are all these things happening? The blowing, the violent wind, the sounds, the house shaking. What was going on? It is a God is reminding them that he made a promise. Yes, I gave you the law then, but now Jesus had just come. He kept another appointment on Passover to give us a greater deliverance. And he says, you know what? I'm also going to give you another law, but I'm going to write it on your insides. See, where God was up on the mountain in fire, God came down upon each person to write the law on the inward parts, where before he wrote it on stone tablets, this time he was writing it in the hearts of mankind. He wanted us to understand the deeper work. Now, what's really cool about this is is that all those things are happening at the same time, the exact same day they're celebrating the giving of the Torah, the giving of the law, They're gathering together and God comes down the same way with fire. But instead of being on the mountain, he starts putting it on each person. And he again is reminding us of the word of God that would give us freedom. How many of you know that as they were free, they needed to be directed in that freedom? If we're not directed with our freedom, we'll go back to what we knew before. So they were slaves. They needed to be directed. How is it going to be that we're going to serve God now? And the Torah, the law, was given on Mount Sinai to direct these newly freed slaves into freedom. Here's how you live. You live this way in the world. You live this way for Egypt. But this is what I'm asking you to live. And this will give life. You can choose life. I'm going to show you life. And now God says, I'm going to write that on the N-word. Listen to what uh, Jeremiah says as in chapter 31 of a promise says this, this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. I'm going to put my law in their minds and write it in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. This became another encounter. Why? Because as the Passover lamb died, And the children of Israel were free, and there was a journey to come and receive the law at Mount Sinai. Now Jesus had just died, gave freedom to his people once again. He gathers them on Mount Zion this time to what? Give them the law now on the inward parts of their heart because they're going to walk brand new. And so it's the same thing. Here, let me just give you one. We usually spend quite a session on this day of Pentecost. Let me just show you one thing that gives us reference. Did you know at the Mount Sinai experience, remember the golden calf, all the great things that the people did while they were waiting for Moses to come back down? Through the course of that, uh, after that time and the rebellion that happened, 3,000 people died during that event. Right? So the giving of the Torah, the giving of the law, 3,000 people died at that event, if you read the Exodus event. Now isn't it funny that all of a sudden we're told on this event... How many are saved? How many? How many of you know those line up because God is trying to make sure? So at the giving of the law, 3,000 died. But at the giving of the law in the hearts of man by the Spirit of God, 3,000 lived. Why does he do the exact same numbers? To make sure you know the deeper work he's doing. That the the day of Pentecost had fully come. I'm going to pour my law, my writing inside of the hearts of the people to direct them. No longer will it be on stone. But I'm giving them my spirit to direct. I'm giving my word in their hearts to direct. We become a witness because no longer are we looking at stone. We are looking at the heart of man that has been set free, redeemed, and given a path of freedom by the power of God. And so we know what is the deeper work? The deeper work is that God meant us once again on a festival to give us the word of God in our hearts. How do we become the witness God's calling us to be? We recognize that this was a feast that God was writing his word in our hearts so that we might live as free people. I mean, if you know, it's easy to get people out of Exodus, uh, out of Egypt, but it's a little harder to get Egypt out of them. And that's the work that the Spirit of God does as he writes that law inside of us to give us freedom. And so that's one clue that we see here in this encounter with God at that mountain that day. So the disciples got together. They were waiting. They were celebrating. And what happened? The Spirit of God met them on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Shavuot, at the day of weeks. The day they were celebrating the Word of God, the Word of God came once again and went into the hearts of the people to empower them to be the witness. Why did Jesus say, hang out, wait? Because he knew that God was going to keep his promise on the day of Pentecost. The promise of the Father was the promise made at Pentecost. Quite a long time before. I'm going to write law on the stone now, but I'm going to write it on your hearts soon. And he said, if you'll wait, if you'll count, if you'll keep staying here, I'm going to do something dramatic at this next appointment. And so because of this, ladies and gentlemen, he died on Passover, raised from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits, and pours out his spirit. On Shavuot, that sounds to me like there's a God that keeps his appointments. So tonight you're going to come out and you're going to find out that there's some appointments that he hasn't kept yet. And they're talking about our near future, I believe. And so let's continue to look for some clues so that we become the witnesses. There's something else that happens on the day of Pentecost. We like to, in the Assemblies God and Pentecostal churches, to talk about this one a lot, but it's the fire. Come on, everyone say it with me. Fire! It's the fire! And it depends on where I'm at in the country of how I say fire! Because everybody says it a little bit different. They get excited about the fire on the head and, and, and excited, God, send the fire once again, and Can I tell you that that's probably not really so much what it's about? But the fire was an indicator of a deeper work that he was doing. The fire is actually a clue, not something to pursue. So... Why has fire come down on each and every head? It's because it's given us a clue of something before. When I was here the last time, I encouraged you as the people of God to slow down your reading plans, to slow down how fast you read the word of God, to take up every little piece and ask yourself, well, have I seen this before? What does fire tell me? Well, where have I seen fire before in the stories before? And if I can find it before, it'll give me the deeper work of what God's doing as he develops the witnesses. So if I've seen fire before, then I need to go there. How many of you have seen fire before in the Old Testament? Those stories, when we see it before, will give us a clue of what's going on on the day of Pentecost. Where have I seen it before? Well, I've seen it on the mountain, on the book of Exodus, chapter 19. What does it represent? Represents God's presence. There was fire on the mountain. Where have I also seen it before? Moses, the burning bush. What, What did the fire represent? It represented God's presence right there on the mountain, in the bush. It was him. It was him showing who he was. It was a physical representation to help the people there at that moment to know that God had showed up. But I've seen it in other places too. I remember when Moses, one of the directions that was given to Moses uh, for the people of God is go down on the mountain and I want you to build me a resting place. I want you to build me a place where I can be with you because that's what I want to do. That's my whole purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, God's whole purpose of setting you free is because he wants to be with you. Okay, it might be a little cold outside, but that's a great place to say Amen. Did you forget what I taught you the last time? Amen to a preacher means you got it and he can move on. So you ready? Amen. Amen. Okay, good. Just wanted to get that thing, that cycle going for you. So, ladies and gentlemen, it is the very thing that God says, I want you to build me something because I want to be with my people. Ladies and gentlemen, God never changes. He still desires to be right with us. He wants to hang out with us. Yeah, that's good. Amen. And here's one of the things that happens. So Moses goes down, he gets the people together. God had already raised up people to help him build this wonderful tabernacle that God was going to fill and people could meet with God. And he does all that, and the Bible says that Moses finished it just as the pattern that was given in heaven, and he finished it all. He dedicated it, he made sacrifice, uh, dedicated to God, said, God, I've done everything you asked to do. What was the next thing that happened? Fire comes down from heaven and rests then. The fire moves from one place to the next and rests on the tabernacle. Where else do I see it? Oh, well, Solomon all of a sudden determined that it would be a good thing uh, to build the temple. Remember, David had it in his heart, but he knew that he needed to pass it on to his son. God said, You're not going to build it, but your son will. Solomon then takes this design, this idea about God resting with his people, and now is going to build a temple in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. He begins to build that he uh, gets everyone together and takes years to build this wonderful temple after the pattern that was given and passed down and when he finished, when he did the sacrifices and when he prayed, what came down? Fire came down upon the altar just as it did with Moses, just as it had on the mountain it came down just as it was in the bush. What does the fire on the day of Pentecost tell us? It tells us that God is with us. The Bible tells me this. Paul put all these things together. He took the clues of Pentecost. He heard about what had happened. He heard about the fire coming. And he did what every good Jew does. He researched the scriptures because he had seen it before. And this is what he told the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you know why he could say that so confidently? Because he heard about the story of the fire of God coming down. Upon each person, and that indicated to me because of the stories before that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. How are we a witness? I've got the Word of God inside of me, and I've also got the Spirit of God inside of me. Not because somebody told me so, because God said it in His Word, and that's the pattern in which we live. Ladies and gentlemen, I got free at Passover when Jesus Christ died for me. I came out of my bondage. I came out of my Egypt. He gave me freedom. He split my Red Sea. He got me to where I needed to be. He destroyed my enemy. I became His. And on the day of Pentecost, he came down from the mountain and determined now the temple has been cleansed. The hearts have been cleansed. Sin has been destroyed. That is the place that I want to rest because that's what I've always wanted. And on the day of Pentecost, he came down and today you live as a witness because God is with you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That was loud, I'm out of breath, I'm old. (laughs) But ladies and gentlemen, I'm excited that I don't have to be told that, God said it. How did he say it? Because he did it all on the days that gave us indication of the work that he was doing. I realized when they gathered, my brothers in the Lord on that day, probably fearful, not knowing what to do, what was gonna happen? All of a sudden they began to put the pieces together. That they realized that God had taken His word, the word of freedom, to give us, guide us, and direct us, and then empowered us because He wanted to rest with us, dwell with us. And that is going to make them to be a witness. You have been cleansed and redeemed by Almighty God, and you are His resting place. He kept making His way nearer and nearer and nearer to us, and He finally made this His temple, ladies and gentlemen. And there's a day coming when these temples will gather around him once again, making one gigantic temple of the Lord for him to reside and will be forever in his sight. It's a powerful thing. See how it wasn't about the fire, but it was a clue to indicate to us that this is his resting spot. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to do anything to make that happen. He did it all. He died. He cleansed it. He made it a spot. And then he filled it. You are a witness. But we're not done yet. There's still another clue there. Can we continue? Would that be all right? The grizzly won't beat South Dakota for another couple hours. So you're good. <laughs> So we have his truth written on our hearts, ladies and gentlemen, the word of God buried deep. The truth buried deep in our hearts, then empowered by his spirit, by God resting in our hearts. But the story doesn't end because something happens kind of wild there. People just start breaking out in tongues. Right. And again, ladies and gentlemen, don't take this wrong. But I don't think the tongues is sometimes what we think it is at this day of Pentecost. Remember, Pentecost gave us a clue of what's going on because it was a festival they were celebrating. The fire was a clue to tell us what God was up to. and I believe tongues also is a clue. Now, do I believe in those things? Of course. But I don't think on the day of Pentecost it was about the tongues, it was about the clue that God was telling the deeper work without having to say it. So listen to what happens. People from every place, from different languages, come together and start speaking in unknown tongues, but yet those tongues are being heard by people from those other lands, and they're all speaking the same thing. That to me sounds familiar. I've heard something like that before. And because I've heard about that sometime before, I need to go there to make sure I know the deeper work in this development of a witness. Because I don't think it was just about those dudes there speaking in tongues, all speaking of the glory of God, all speaking the same thing. I don't think it was just about that. I think he was trying to give us a clue 2,000 years later to look in passages to give us the deeper work. Does anybody know where it's at? Let's go there. Genesis in chapter 11. Genesis in chapter 11. I won't have, I didn't put this up on the screen, but you can go there if you would. Genesis in chapter 11, whether it's in your old trusty Bible or that app that shuts down on you every so often. Genesis chapter 11. They were able to speak in a new tongue according to the spirit, many languages, but one message. And what does that remind us of? There is a famous tower and it is the tower of Babel. Let's read this story and see if there's anything that comes out of this that sounds familiar. says in verse 1, and the whole earth was of one language and one speech and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain and land of Shinar and they dwelt there and they said one another go let us make brick and burn them thoroughly and that they had a brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, go, let us build a city and a tower whose top shall reach to heaven. And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children and men had built. And the Lord said, behold, the people are one. They have one language. And they begin to do the nothing, shall be restrained from them, what they've imagined to do. Go. Let us go down and confound their language. Let's confuse their language that they would not understand one another because we need to spread them out. So the Lord scattered them abroad thence, from upon the face of the whole earth and they left off to build the city. Therefore, the name of it is called Babel because the Lord did confound the language of the earth. From there did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little familiar. Does it sound a little familiar? What are they doing? I've got a couple pictures of a ziggurat. Everyone say that, ziggurat. Yes, yeah, so here's one artist's rendition of what they were probably building. What's interesting about the Tower of Babel, they've actually found the remains of some of this and it actually what would become the city of Babylon. But there are other places that have these that it was a thing back in the day that people would build. And what they're doing is what, what are they doing? They're building a tower that would ascend. Some of these go 300 feet and higher. And uh, on the top will be a place of worship. That is the place that God is going to meet us. Interesting, huh? uh, Here's another one. Uh, This is actually one, some of the remains uh, of one that is still standing. Um, And so you can see what they're doing is they're building this pyramid-style place of worship, and they would ascend to the top to try to meet God. They felt that they had to ascend. They had to build this tower, that we had to come together to build this thing, and that we would reach God by building it. Now what's interesting to me is, Is there anything you see here that can be kind of a contrast to what's going on in the book of Acts, chapter 2? As you can see, they're united, but they're united for what? Their own purposes, their own desires. They've come and, and said, we're going to use our language as one to now build us a tower that we would reach to God. There was one language and a common purpose, but the purpose was outside of the will of God. How many of you know that God actually told them to do something here? Does anybody remember what God said before this? He actually told the people to spread out among the earth and multiply. What did they do in their common language? They devised a plan. Not a plan of God, but a plan of man. And they, in their united plan, determined that the only way they can make God show up is if they unite together and build this tower and work their way up to God, and then God would show up. Let us make a name for ourselves. This place will be superior. This is where everyone will come. This will be the place that God will show up because we did it. Let us do this. Let us be self centered. Let us not be scattered. Did you hear what they said? They said, let's do this so that we're not scattered. If we build a good house, a good place, we won't go from here. We'll all come together. We'll be more powerful in more numbers, and and lest we be scattered. Do you see how fear drove them? Let's build bricks. Let's do our own thing. And then at this rate, nothing will be impossible. But God saw it and said, you know, in this state, you doing your own thing, huddling in fear like this. I've got to separate you at this point. I've got to do something to get you separated, to multiply you out to the rest of the earth, because you're doing your own thing. The only way I'm going to be able to do that is confound your languages to separate, to get you out, and break this thing of what's going on. And so what we see now is... Well, how does this change now with the story that we have with Pentecost? But now, what's different if we've been redeemed? God's given us his word. He's given us his spirit. And now he says, I want you to be reminded of the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel that ended up that people in fear huddled together, crowded together for one purpose, and that was that we wouldn't be scattered abroad And we'd build this one place, and we would do all the work, and God would show up. I want to bring you back to that place and remind you of actually what I'm saying. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the great thing about this story is God is actually saying, now I can empower you with one language. I can empower you now with the language of heaven. Because now I want you to go out. I want you to spread about. I want you to take this to the world. I often thought, I, I've maybe even preached it in the past, that God reversed what happened at Babylon, which is true. And sometimes we go, okay, now we're united for one purpose and we gather together and we build. But ladies and gentlemen, we're doing the same thing. That's not what he wants. When times are hard, fearful situations come, we seem to find ourselves huddling together. Why is he reminding us of Babylon? Why is he reminding us of the Tower of Babel? Because he's saying, now I've given you your spirit. Remember what was first told. Leave this place with my message, with a common language, with unity, and spread across the earth. This is a message for us today, ladies and gentlemen. We're we're going into doubtful times, hard times, difficult times. And it's normal for us to want to huddle together. How many of you know the disciples did not leave Jerusalem? They didn't catch the message. They huddled together. They stayed together. Do you know what it took for them to spread out from Jerusalem? Stephen's death. They forgot that Jesus said, go from here. The Tower of Babel reminds us not to just gather together. We can gather together in community. We can gather together as a church, but don't stay here. This isn't the only place that God will meet with you. See, man determined, if I build something, God will show up. Pentecost reminds us that God is the one that comes down. Oh, come on. That's good preaching, preacher. God is the one that comes down. Man doesn't build something and then he comes down. That is the old way of thinking, ladies and gentlemen. Here and now, in this moment, we've got to stop thinking the better we do, the more we do, the holier we are. That's when God comes down. That's the old way. And God reminded us that we have the power of God. We've been given a witness to go out and spread upon the world to live godliness in this world to show what his kingdom is like we can gather we can buy the building but don't stay there and Sunday isn't the only time to worship Sunday's the only time to get the word Sunday's not the only time to say hallelujah praise the Lord and all the safe things you're called to go out and the day of Pentecost reminded us once again that we're not going to do what we've done before. We're not going to huddle in fear and be worried about separated. God has given us a purpose and a call to go out. And ladies and gentlemen, your little Facebook groups and your little nightly groups and your little places that you stay and the safe places you stay is not what God wanted. And on the day of Pentecost, he proclaims it because he reminds us of a dangerous story. Don't use the common language of heaven to just gather all together. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have not talked to an unsaved person and you haven't heard some cussing lately, you're too much hanging around the wrong crowd. You need to get in some Facebook posts that contradict some of your thoughts. Maybe oppose you a little bit. You have too many yes men around you, ladies and gentlemen. And AI loves that, by the way, because it works against you. Because it finds things that you like and gets more people around you so you'll never go anywhere. And you start building this thing that you think you've got it all. And this is the place where God meets. The day of Pentecost told us that we've got to leave and go. Live a life of godliness, not just in the confines of what we find comfortable and where it's safe, but to go out and show what the kingdom of God has done in your life. Fear makes us huddle together. And ladies and gentlemen, it won't be your political party that's going to save you. It's the spirit of God. Don't Get con- <laughs> stuck in your political party in this day to come. Don't get all fearful of what's going on in this world today. Ladies and gentlemen, all those things are going to pass, but one thing will always stand, and that's the kingdom of God, and that's where I want to get attached to. The day of Pentecost reminds us that he gave us his word. He filled us with his spirit. He's with us. And he gave us purpose, to go and live. I don't know what it looks like for you. I remember, uh, uh, I'm looking at the time, I'm making sure that I'm sensitive to that, but I remember we, and maybe you've heard this story, we went to St. Ignatius uh, pastoring and the church was dead. There was four people there when we went and when we showed up, uh, two people left and the other two people died, true story. no, they really did. They died, and uh, so there wasn't anybody uh, there. And taking young kids there, and I remember the Lord just kind of shared in our hearts just a little something. He just simply said, you know, He didn't give me this great vision of like, wow, well, do this and do that. It would have been better, but He just simply said these words. He said to us, He just said, uh, guys, I, I just want you to live here and be consistent. And, you know, how many of you have ever done that? And um, that just didn't sound profound enough for me. And uh, there's something that happens when you live a life of the kingdom, and that just is revolutionary. This is a great place for us to come together and get together in a huddle and then break. Right. Remember those huddles in school? One, two, three, break. What do you do after that? Do you huddle and you win the basketball game? We, we play the game. Today's the huddle, but the break is going to happen because of why? Because I don't want to huddle together because that's not what God called me to do. I don't want to be in fear saying I'd be separated from my other people. No. I'm reminded that we have one tongue and one language again. United for a purpose, but that doesn't mean staying together. It means we're united together as the family of God for the purposes of God to share his kingdom to the world around us. Would you stand with us? This morning... I just want to remind you, as the body of Christ today, that God has put His Word in your heart for a reason to be a witness to your household, to your city, and to the world. And Jesus told us to wait on Him for that to happen. And that Word of truth will guide you, it is a lamp to your feet. But then he said, you'll never have to do this alone because the day of Pentecost reminds me that he's housed with us. That he chose this to be his tabernacle. Do I agree with him all the time? I look in the mirror and go, God, there's way better people that you could be hanging out with. But it's not my choice. My choice was to surrender to him. And he filled me. He chose this as his resting spot. And I don't have to do anything for that. He did it all. And then we're told to go, not fear, be directed by his word, be empowered by his spirit. Don't be fearful, don't just gather, go out. And I like to encourage people in that because sometimes we're building our own towers, even in our own houses sometimes that we don't even know we're doing. If only I could read enough. If only I could learn enough. If only I could pray enough. If only I would stop falling asleep when I pray. Just so you know, God loves it when you fall asleep. Why? Because you probably need it. And that time in his presence gave you some rest. Why are you beating yourself up? You don't have to build the tower that he shows up in. He came down. He rescued us. He wants to be with us, and I think the church needs to be reminded of that once again. And then from that spot, let's go out. Let's live in the kingdom, rejoice for who he is, and celebrate the fact that he's given me life, and he wants to hang out with me. Father, thank you. Thank you for the day of Pentecost. Thank you for developing us into the witnesses you want us to be. And Lord, there's always things that we could do and maybe not be distracted with this or that. But I realize at the end of the day, my distractions is really just oftentimes just trying to get your your attention. I'm trying to build something so you'd show up. I'm trying to build a better life that you might show up. And Lord, that's the distraction. You've invited us to a table and fellowship. You've put the table down. You've put the chairs down. You set up the stage. And you've just asked us to come. So, Lord, we just want to come once again. Write your word on our hearts, a fresh spirit of God. God, in those crevices and dark areas of our heart, Lord, shine your light that you might have more room in our lives. In those areas where we've built a tower, that we've tried to do the right things to get your blessing, to get your attention, to have more of you. Whatever things that we've believed, Lord, Let that tower be broken today and let us go out, not in fear, but now united together that we don't do this alone. What could ever stop us? Because we're united in you. So build your church, build your people, oh God. And Lord, we go out now as your witness and we break from this place of this huddle right now to go make a difference in this community, across this state, and around the world for your glory. So have your way, God. God, if there's some here just beat up, disillusioned by their circumstances, Lord, would you just refresh them, be a lifter of their head today. And let them have clarity to see who you truly are. And then may the truth of your word bring forth fruit. I pray today that the truth of this word, you coming down, not on the mountain anymore, but you came down, would refresh your people, and there'd be abundant fruit in the name and the power of Jesus. Pastor.
0: Man, what a great word. What a great way to start 2024. Amen. Now you got to do it, okay? But before you go, I want to remind you, out on the table, stop by today. We're going to talk more about fasting next week next sunday um, i'm actually going to share three words that the lord laid on my heart over the next three weeks um, and i'll tell you their presence their progress and their purpose those are the three words we're going to talk about over the next three weeks there's a letter that came with um, this fasting information that has more information about fasting so if you're like i don't know anything about fasting um, those letters are available out there as well so please make sure you stop by the table lots of information out there and I do want to say again there's an offering basket out there Ties an Offering Global Outreach but also one for guest speaker and uh, the Lapkas travel all over the nation all over the world uh, doing this getting people excited about the word of God helping them understand God is keeping appointments with us and uh, we just want to continue to be a part of blessing them this isn't the last time they'll be here but uh, they're here now. and uh, the scripture says, if you've benefited from a teacher, you ought to share with them. And so we want to do that. And so stop by that basket. You can give online, choose guest speaker. Thanks for being here today. Don't forget tonight at six o'clock, downtown. God bless you as you go.